Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep in the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! Pistons down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike Angolan, and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, my friend? Doing good, Mike. We got a couple, you know, topics to get into that are about trades and different players and the rumor mills, so... A little bit of a different spin that we haven't been gotten to since probably around like the trade deadline. So it'll be interesting to get in those kind of topics and we'll hit into some general NBA as well as there's just not much piston stuff going on right now. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot of non-playoff team stuff happening. We're sort of like the rest of us non-playoff teams. Uh, we're sort of waiting, waiting it out um, until we hit the lottery. And once we get there, obviously the draft talk will really take off. We'll, we'll be able to put together mock drafts and, and things like that. But until then, um, some stuff to certainly talk about. But again, the NBA playoffs continue to lead the intrigue. So we will, uh, we will stick to some around the edges sort of topics. But of course, um, again, this podcast, part of the part of the Believe Podcast Network, and our first sponsor is Bet Online. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best way to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Head on over to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, the website is betonline.ag. You can use your mobile device, sign up today, and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit but online your online sports book experts boy we do have a lot of just rumor stuff to talk about and that's fine with me I like sometimes I like hypotheticals especially when it doesn't involve my Cleveland Cavaliers um, but this is a pretty interesting one because I find it impossible one Jeremy Grant uh, being interested in the Washington Wizards uh, he falls in line a little bit with some other interesting names, Andre Drummond and DeMar DeRozan as reportedly also having some interest in going to DC. Uh, Aaron, what do you make of, what do you make of this? Yeah, I just, I don't put much stock into this. Um, no offense to the person reporting this. Maybe they do truly know something that nobody else that is, connected to these teams no and, and and maybe he does and you know if he does good for him but from someone that I've never seen anything like this from before it just really makes me hard to to put a lot of stock into this considering all the stuff that that came from Jeremy Grant this year you know we had the James Edwards feature about Jeremy Grant talking about how it was so important for him you know, to come to a, a black city and play for a black coach and in uh, a black front office. Like that was something that was important to him. Obviously it was also uh, a big thing for him was getting that opportunity to play in a, in an, ex, in an expanded role. 
uh, with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in Washington. While he would still play a significant role, he certainly would not be the number one option there. He would be the number three option in Washington. He's the number one option in Detroit. Um, those were some things that were really, really important to him. It was things that we heard about at multiple points uh, since he was acquired. I mean, we heard it in the offseason. We heard it during the season. We heard it after the season. He reaffirmed that and, and talked about those things. So it just it makes it hard for me to believe that this person that, you know, I've never heard of before. Granted, he does have 7,500 followers on Twitter, but we know that people can do things like buying, uh, you know, Twitter followers and things like that. Not saying that he is, but I'm just saying I've never heard anything from this person before. This is the first time I've ever seen this person's account or anything like that. Um, so I just don't, I can't put a lot of stock into it. If Now, if we hear someone, something similar from someone like a Woj, you know, like a Shams, obviously that changes things. This becomes a much more serious topic. But as of now, from everything that we've heard about Jeremy Grant, he is was excited to join Detroit. He is happy to be here and he wants to continue to be here and play for this franchise, this city, and, and play in the role that he currently has. Yeah, it really just comes out of nowhere. There's no indication that Jeremy Grant is unhappy in Detroit. He's well paid. He has a big role. And weren't we just talking a few podcasts ago about how he's excited about this young core and that this young core is not necessarily rebuilding? You know, they're expected to compete and make a playoff run at some point. Um, so this would come out of left field entirely if he went on a heel and turned that he'd like to be with the Washington Wizards. I mean, perhaps he'd like to be back with Russell Westbrook. Um, but there's really no other connection there, really. Um, like you said, he wants to play for Troy Weaver. He wants to play for Dwayne Casey. That was an important position that he took when he left the Denver Nuggets. So to me, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. I honestly don't, don't even really see why Andre Drummond would be interested because they already have Thomas Bryant coming back from ACL injury. So I don't entirely get that. DeMar DeRozan, gosh, are they just going to take all the mid-range jumpers possible? Is that, <laughs> is that the plan? Is just to take as many mid-range, like they're not worth more points. They're not. Anyway, um, I could see why some people would have interest in playing with Bradley Beal. And I could see why some people would have interest in playing with Russell Westbrook. He's a very fiery teammate. And I'll be honest, the one thing that does sort of line up is that the Wizards have, you know, they kind of have to make a decision. Are they going to put more pieces around the team that they have to win? Or are they going to really move those pieces? Bradley Beal is a little noncommittal, um, a little bit more noncommittal than normal about the Wizards, not as stout of a, of a firm position that he wants to stay and win there. Are they going to do something drastic like go after Jeremy Grant or go after a DeMar DeRozan or go after some other player to try to, to try to push them deeper into the, into the playoff picture for next year. That's about the only thing that really lines up. I don't see Jeremy Grant's interest in Washington unless that's completely gone off the radar and is just totally out of left field. 
Yeah, it 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 like you said comes out of left field. There's no connection. Um, and yeah, the Wizards probably do have to do something drastic to keep their core intact, continue to be a, a team playoff capable. They're not contending capable, but try to get there. Um, and, you know, obviously going after guys like DeMar DeRozan and Jeremy Grant is something that would help them in that uh, situation. But there's just no connection. There's no other information that suggests that this is of serious circumstance. So, you know, for now, this is just a rumor. This is just talk. And there's no real reason to be worried if you're a Pistons fan that Jeremy Grant's looking to leave after one season. Yeah, it just doesn't really add up. Um, But again, I could see Washington having some interest because they need to sort of decide, was that first round flame out against non-Joel Embiid um, an indication that they should add more? Certainly Davis Bertans was horrible. They'll have Denny Optia back. But uh, Jeremy Graham would fit super nicely as a guy who knows how to play defense on a team that largely doesn't play defense. <laughs> right. This is sort of not really with the Washington Wizards, but it's a, it's a good question. Is there a scenario in which you could see Jeremy Grant being moved this offseason? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it. I feel like it would certainly not be a good look for the Pistons to to go out and move Jeremy Grant after all of the things that have come out about why he came here, why he wants to be here, and obviously how well that, that he played. The Pistons have been pretty vocal in their belief that he is a part of this core, and this core is building with him, developing with him as he continues to develop like he did in this past season. And, you know, if they did end up trading a guy like Jeremy Grant, it obviously would have to be a substantial asset return. This is not a guy that you're salary dumping or just trying to get off your roster. Like if you're trading him, you're talking about getting young players and picks back. Like it's not, it's not a trade that you're just going to do just to do like, you're going to have to win it. You're going to have to catch a team desperate and you're going to have to get numerous assets that that make the trade worthwhile. I, I just I don't see it happening, and, and the path to it happening would have to be pretty substantial uh, in regards to a return for Detroit. Yeah, like you said, you'd have to catch a team that's desperate. And it was discussed during the season that the Boston Celtics were interested, and they've become one of the more interesting teams this offseason after – changing Brad Stevens's roles, losing Danny Ainge. They're a team that has to make a move. I don't know exactly what that move is, but that's a team that showed interest in Jeremy Grant. They certainly have some assets that might interest the Pistons, but you know, we talked about this in the group chat. I don't necessarily know what outside of Jason Tatum or maybe Jalen Brown that the Celtics can put together that would get the Pistons interested. I mean, obviously Jason Tatum gets you interested, but does Jalen Brown get you interested? Right. Yeah. And in, in the, uh, the, the end of end result of that is you're not touching Tatum and you're more than likely not touching Jalen Brown asset wise. The only thing you can be getting from them worthwhile would be 
three first round picks. I mean, it'd have to be substantial. And, you know, I just don't think Boston has the, the capacity to make a trade like that. They're already tied up financially and it would take some, some tough maneuvering there to make it work. And, you know, they have a lot of money tied up in Kemba Walker, a guy that has struggled both performance wise and health wise there. I just don't think that Boston is, is a real player for that, albeit uh, that adding someone like Jeremy Grant would help solidify that team. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. You know, that's a team that would would really be interested in what Grant can offer. I mean, they were just such a confounding team. They were hit by COVID. They are hit by injuries. They have such dead salary. It's like, what could they really do? I mean, I think that Jalen Brown would be very interesting. Fits in a, the, the exact role that the Pistons could use. The two guard is still kind of, well, it's not kind of, still is their, their weaker area. And he would fit that real, real nicely. But again, I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen. We're really just scraping the bottom of the barrel and scrapes and stuff. There's nothing fun about scrapes. And that leads into our, Next ad read, which is Manscaped and support for the Palace of Pistons podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in the business in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. There are no scrapes there. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. And you could join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off free shipping with the code POP at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay. Scraping the bottom of the barrel again, and this is even more bottom. Should the Pistons be interested in Kristaps Porzingis? I've already seen a Zach Lowe podcast talk about potential Porzingis trades. I think 40% of the people I follow on Twitter have examined potential Kristaps Porzingis trades. He struggled with the Mavs in the playoffs. I don't think he struggled as hard as people are saying. He did look like a, I mean, he did look like Frankenstein comparatively to the other players out there. He was really, I mean, everybody looked worse compared to Luca on the Mavs, except for Tim Hardaway for the first couple of games. But Chris Porzingis, and I kind of alluded to this in a tweet myself, the, the, the Dallas Mavericks are on the clock. You know, they have seen what Luka Doncic can do in the postseason. He's a generational talent. He almost single-handedly willed a Dallas Mavericks team to beating the Los Angeles Clippers. And quite honestly, Dallas needs to look at that and say, okay, our clock starts now. Yes, he's going to sign a contract extension in the offseason. That doesn't matter. You want to keep him here beyond that. You need to start putting pieces around him that are immediate win now, impact players that open your championship window. Because to me, the championship window is open. You know, the Lakers just looked defeated. You have... Brooklyn in the East is rising. You have the Utah Jazz who are here to stay. I mean, the championship window is propped open. 
because of Luka Doncic. And now's the time to build. So Kristaps Porzingis was supposed to be that piece that slid in nicely next to Luka. Didn't really happen. And then Tim McMahon from ESPN reported that he's unhappy. That's Porzingis is unhappy with how he's fallen out of place in Dallas. So naturally a young seven foot three who plays like he's five foot 23 forward in Kristaps Porzingis now becomes sort of the center of some trade discussions and potential moves that could be made to net the Pistons. I'm sorry, that could net the Mavericks an impact player. Could the Pistons or should the Pistons be interested in Kristaps Porzingis? Yeah, you know, this is something that I think a little bit of time to think about. And I think in reality, you're talking about a trade like this and you look at the Pistons roster, like, who are you trading for Kristaps? Are you trading Jeremy Grant or, you know, are you tr- like, are you- Porzingis' trade value is incredibly low right now. He's due money, had an awful playoffs, and just looked like he, he he's just not a guy that can help you really win. And that matters a lot, right? So you're talking about trading a guy probably – Someone like Jeremy Grant coming off a career season, we know fits with this core, and trading him for a guy that didn't have a great season, we don't know his fit with this core, and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, on the flip side, if Detroit could get Porzingis for, you know, minimal assets, you know, for some reason, if Dallas was like, heartstrong on like Hamadou Diallo and would take back some salary. Like, yeah, sure. Like I could get behind that, I guess, but I just don't know if it makes all that much sense, you know, in a situation like that, he he doesn't want to really play the five. He, he wasn't great at it. I mean, he played it in Dallas, but just not a, not a guy that gets down low and bangs down low with guys. And you have that in Isaiah Stewart. So let's say you play him at power forward. That slides Jeremy Grant down to the three. Then you're either playing Sadiq Bay out of position at the two guard spot, or he's coming off the bench and that's not what should be happening. So it just really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I know it's become a hot topic, on Pistons Twitter and people are writing, oh, the Pistons should trade for Jeremy Grant, or excuse me, the Pistons should trade for Chris Tapps Porzingis, but there's really no avenue that makes sense to do that. And and it's not something that Detroit should really be looking to explore. They have enough talent in the front court uh, to work with, and they have draft picks that they can use if they want to add to that as well. There's a there's several red flags here with Porzingis. I mean, he is a name. Like you said, it would slide Jeremy Grant down. So there's positional issues there if he were to be on the team. But even before getting onto the team, you know, the Pistons have done a really good job of cleaning up the cap and trying to get everything in order. He signed a five-year extension in 2019. Five-year, $158 million max contract. He's got two two years left plus a player option, and I believe that player option is, yeah, it's $36 million for 23-24. I don't think think 
that that is something the Pistons should even remotely consider. Even if the value is low and it doesn't cost that much. I can't imagine that the interest in Porzingis after he just averaged 13 and five against the Clippers, he shot 29% from deep. He averaged 20 and nine in the regular season, which I mean, he, he dropped off significantly in the playoffs. Yes. But that contract is huge. The health is a huge concern. I just don't see why the Pistons should do that. And this is kind of what we talked about last week. Don't mess up what has been going very well, which is an excellently executed tank job. This is the sort of Dan Gilbert-esque move where the owner steps in and says, "Uh uh-uh, I've heard of this big name. Let's get him on the team. And then throws everything into chaos and gets Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And yeah, might solve some things. You get a shooter, but you, there is so, so much negative bring back with him such negative baggage. This isn't something that, that the Pistons should even remotely be, be entertaining. I mean, they've done such a good job avoiding all of those negative type moves. Yeah, no, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to be in on someone like this. Again, this is just one of those, you know, topics that was brought up on Twitter. Wanted to throw some some talk at it since there's not a whole lot going on in real Pistons world outside of like their jersey sponsorship. Um, right. But, you know, it, you know, it's 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 just not something that Detroit should really be looking into with Porzingis. There's just no real fit or or return value that they get in making a move for him. I mean, what team, what team fits acquiring Porzingis? What team could use him? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. Like what team does actually need a guy like Chris Stops? And how do you convince yourself after the playoffs that he just had that trading for him makes sense, you know? And, I, I think what we, is Sacramento going to give up in the inevitable Chris Stapps Porzingis <laughs> trade? De'Aaron Fox? Because <laughs> it's Sacramento. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, there's just there's just no reason for any team to, to try to buy into Kristaps. I mean, unless it Boston is seems super, destined to be desperate. Oh, go on. You said Boston? Yeah. You were, you were kind of getting there. That seems like he seems like a bad salary swap. Yeah, do you do like Kamba for I there? That's what I'm thinking. Like, I don't know what that solves exactly. Ball handling off of Luca, and maybe just a change of scenery helps. Like, I don't. I mean, I'm. I guess hopefully they'll probably talk themselves into that. We're back to scraping the bottom of the barrel. That is, that is like. Russell Westbrook, John Wall swap levels of ugh, right there, where it's just like, okay, yeah, a trade happened, but right, you know, but, but did no it really happen? No team really like got anything in that trade. Like it was just, I'll take your spare well, part. I think it's. I think you bring up a good point of getting the ball out of Luca's hands. I think that actually could be pretty beneficial. Um, he is so ball dominant. That might actually help but it's the Porzingis in Boston that I'm just not really sure of. I mean, you, if you do that swap, you have enough defense to kind of hide him maybe, but 
they don't have a rim protector that you know you can fall back on after he inevitably inevitably gets blown by. So I'm not exact. I mean, they'd have to have other moves lined up. Like they'd have to have a Miles Turner type deal lined up to bring in a rim protector to play alongside him. Right. But yeah, I don't really know who would be interested. Somebody's interested in Porzingis, but I mean, Dallas is going to be selling at pennies on the dollar, quite honestly. But they're in a very interesting spot because they have to do something for Luka Doncic. And that kind of moves us into our next topic, which is just some general NBA quick hitters. Again, the playoffs are here. Everyone's talking about the playoffs. This is the time um, that all of us have waited for. Even us inevitable lottery teams, watching the NBA playoffs is interesting no matter what. And Luka Doncic was outstanding in the playoffs. He was not better than Kawhi Leonard, as friend of the pod Duncan Smith noted. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was better overall, especially if you consider both sides of the floor. But Luka was fantastic. That was his arrival to the playoff scene. He's not going anywhere for a long time. Um, And then the guy who did it the last time made his grand entrance at a very young age and LeBron James and LA Lakers were eliminated by the Phoenix Suns. Any thoughts on Suns-Lakers? Yeah, I just... I think I said it last week. I never expected the Lakers to lose. Like, I always just figured LeBron would get the job done. It's LeBron. He doesn't lose in the first round. Lock him into the finals every single year. May not win the championship, but he's going to get to the fight for it. And just just such a complete performance from Phoenix. Obviously, Chris Paul goes down in game one, ends up coming back. Plays a huge, huge role for them. And Devin Booker, what more can you say than he he is here. He's awesome. He is a He's star. awesome. And I know I kind of said that last week, but the Suns putting away the Lakers and not giving them that breath of hope, like they just took it to L.A. and finished them off. Didn't give them a lick. Didn't let them back in. Didn't let them force another game. They just went out and did what good teams do and finish them when they're down. And Devin Booker is an absolute star props to Deandre Ayton for playing really well. Obviously he's in a tough spot, you know, being the number one pick of a draft that had Luka Doncic and Trey young come after him. And he has, he had a phenomenal, phenomenal first round. Obviously they took a one Oh lead over Denver in round he, two. I, I was going to say, he played great last night, too. Yeah, and, and, and this is a team I I'm, I really like Phoenix. You know, I like Mikel Bridges a lot. I, I really think he's one of those premier two-way level young guys in this league. Uh, Devin Booker being a star, DeAndre Ayton showing major improvement, and they got my guy Cam Johnson, who, like I said when – I was telling or I was saying that I wanted the Pistons to draft him. He, like I said, he's a guy that goes in and he's NBA ready. He's helping a team win. He's helping a playoff team with his skill set. And that's uh, what he's doing here, you know, two years later now that Phoenix has made it to the playoffs and then obviously make it last year, but they're now. And that's just a they good went undefeated moment. in the bubble. They did. You know, they were right on the verge. And Cam Johnson played a, a big part in that. So, you know, I, I – 
I think it shows that this Phoenix team, all people were talking about, oh, how did Phoenix, you know, get get to be so good? I mean, is the regular season that big of a joke? But hey, they just beat the Lakers. They just beat the defending champions, and you know, they took their opponents. They lost Anthony Davis, but they got the job done, and and that's that's impressive. You know, I would have never picked the Suns to to actually beat the Lakers but they did and, and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. And now they, they get a chance at Denver, who's obviously missing a key, another, you know, they're missing a key player themselves and Jamal Murray, but they're a very good team. They Nikolai Jokic, who we're going to talk about has had a phenomenal season. He has them there for a reason and it's going to be a great series. And we're going to see which of those teams is better. It's going to be a great series. And yes, as Aaron alluded to Nikola Jokic, just a few hours ago, I think two hours ago named the, well, he was reported by Shams Tarani at first, I think, being named the MVP. That has since been made official. 41st pick in the NBA draft. He was, when his name was called at the podium, ESPN was at a commercial break. And they were in the middle of a Taco Bell, not a sponsor of the podcast, Taco Bell ad. And a beefy cheese burrito, I believe, was on the screen when his name was put on the banner at the, at the bottom. Of of the of the uh, um, the ESPN draft banner, he's the lowest or highest, depending on how you interpret that pick to win MVP. The previous lowest or highest, depending on how you interpret that pick, was Giannis Antetokounmpo at fifteenth overall. Steve Nash was thirteenth. Nikola Jokic has been fantastic this year. I mean, obviously, he's probably, maybe not probably, the best passing big man ever probably I mean maybe ever maybe the best passer ever just absolutely filthy he is phenomenal and there are people talking about how he didn't deserve it and this is the weakest MVP and in you know a long time or league history or since so-and-so like it's just utter nonsense it's it's garbage I mean this is a guy that and has proved it in the playoffs too by leading Denver to a series win without Jamal Murray and, you know, keeping them afloat in the regular season. A guy that's averaged a, a center averaging 26, 11 and eight, or excuse me, 26. Yeah. 26, 11 and eight. And I mean, that's just phenomenal on good efficiency, you know, 57% from the field, 39% from the three point line, like amazing skill set, bucking the trend of the rest of the league. He's not the quickest, he's not the skinniest, and he's tall. Like, he is the utter opposite of this this guard-dominated, quick, forward league. Like, this is a center that's unorthodox style of play has taken the NBA by the horns and has led to great, great success and, and led his team into title contention. I mean, you're talking about a player that is – completely opposite of what this league is used to and just a phenomenal phenomenal season for him at age 25 to 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 win mvp obviously it was mentioned you know the uh, coming in the second round the player with you know that was the lowest draft pick to win the award and this is so well deserved. It's incredibly unfortunate that Denver isn't at full strength. They could really compete this year with the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. and the addition of Aaron Gordon. It, it, it's too bad that they didn't have Jamal Murray 
uh, to, with this group healthy because that team is, is very good. And it, it starts with their engine, their cog, and Nikola Jokic, who just powers them to win sometimes. And then goes on these incredible stretches of play. Such a phenomenal player. And, and I, I can't believe there are people saying that he didn't deserve this award. I, who do you give it to outside of, of him? I, I just, when it came down to it, I don't see how you could have picked someone other than Jokic. He is the first center to win the MVP since 2000, and that was Shaq. Joel Embiid, Steph Curry were behind Jokic in the voting, followed by Giannis, and then Chris Paul got a couple of votes too, and I believe Derek Rose got one vote as well. Um, I don't know how you pick anybody. I mean, he, he really, and there are going to be people who will say that he won the battle of attrition because he was the healthiest out of the others. Steph Curry was on a, a bad team and that kind of eliminates you immediately. Joel Embiid did not have the level of availability that Nikola Jokic had. Chris Paul was on the list, but he didn't have the season that Jokic had. And, Giannis could, you know, obviously had a very good season as well, but it sort of comes down to he's won it the last two times and he needed to keep putting up insane numbers at, at, at a rate that he is just not attainable to get that third one. So he was kind of a victim of his own success in a way, but considering all the, all the things that Jokic does for that team, and all and the wide skill set that he has, there's just it it was pretty easy for me if I had a vote to pick him. I see why some people would have picked other players because this has been a wacky season, and you could argue that Joel Embiid's defensive skill set puts him right up there, if not higher than Nikola Jokic. But he he was fantastic the whole season. He's gonna have his work cut out for him with no Jamal Murray and then Michael Porter Jr. left last night's game a little early with a back injury, which is, of course, what made him fall in in the draft. And that's definitely something to monitor as well. He might have to do a little bit more work um, to keep the Nuggets in a pretty tough series already. But definitely congratulations to Nikola Jokic. He had a tremendous, tremendous season. And... um, like like you said, I really wish that the Nuggets were healthy. I think that's a team that could have competed for a championship. They had all the pieces and parts, and now Murray's going to miss a pretty significant chunk of next season too. So they're going to have to weather that storm as well. Just really difficult time for the Nuggets, but kudos to Nikola Jokic for, uh, for winning the MVP. He just had a, an unbelievable season, and one of his quotes – on TNT was, he said he didn't even think about being in the NBA. <laughs> he just wanted to play in the Euro league because that's, that's what the top league is in his home country. And uh, to think that he's now the most valuable player in the NBA, that's just gotta be awe inspiring. As for the rest of the playoffs, anything else stood out to you? I mean, to me, Hawks Sixers really stands out. I did not expect the Hawks to go and punch the Sixers in the mouth in the first two and a half quarters or so. Yeah. You know, the Hawks game one versus Sixers, like 
Hawks went up big. Somehow the Sixers came back. Honestly, props to Joel Embiid for for playing in his position with a torn meniscus. That's dangerous. It's not probably something that's recommended, but he's doing it. And obviously the Sixers are down. They didn't end up winning that game, but they they fought back. They clawed back, and it should be a good series as long as Embiid's able to continue to play. Uh, on his partially torn meniscus, he had 39, 9, and 4. So he's probably in a lot of pain. Knees are painful. Knee injuries are painful. Torn menisci, meniscuses, menisci are painful. Um, and the Sixers currently lead Atlanta 33 to 20 at the end of the first quarter. So maybe it's a little bit of uh, progressing back to the mean. Boyan Bogdanovich is two for seven from the floor to start. And Tobias Harris has 16 first quarter points. Yeah, that's going to be tough for the Hawks to uh, – try to stop with their limited defensive capabilities, try to stop all of those guys. Um, but right now it's 33-20, 76ers on top. Um, Clippers Jazz, no Mike Conley tonight. Hopefully he can get healthy. Any thoughts on Clippers Jazz? Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting series. Um, I don't want to pick against Utah. I, I want to give them the, the respect that they've earned. That was a very impressive win by the Clippers. And I did not think Luca was going to go down. Lucas, it's so disappointing that Luca did not get any help outside of Tim Hardway Jr. for a couple of games. Um, but the Clippers rightfully so earned, earned their victory. It did take a miraculous Reggie Jackson first quarter in game seven to get right. <laughs> help get the job done. But Ultimately, Kawhi and, and Paul George and, hey, even the help of Luke Kennard ended up netting them that victory. They're a very good team. Utah's going to have to be a full strength to to compete with them. Not having Mike Conley, not good. Um, but Donovan Sucks. Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are very good. Uh, Mitchell, I said it earlier. or I've said it before. You did. I was waiting for it. Our MVP-level player. This will very much so be a series. I don't want to count out Utah, but it's going to be very tough, especially without Conley, who had a good season, made the All-Star game for the first time in his career. It's going to be very hard for them to hold off a, a Clipper team that's good enough to compete for a title. Yeah, they have the defensive capabilities to hang tight. And Utah, very similar to the Milwaukee Bucks. Great regular season team, played great, getting into the playoffs, and stuff just hits the fan. And I would like Utah to be on the receiving end of some good calls and some wins because they are a very good team. They're well coached. I like Quinn Snyder, but they got to go out there and prove it. And the same thing with Milwaukee. This is the most surprising first two games. I mean, I really thought after game one, it's like, okay, they, they played horrible against the heat too. You know, they're really bad against the heat in game one and they, and they still snuck one out because of Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton looks, I, he looks horrific, Aaron. He looks, he looks terrible. And really the whole team looks terrible. And I want to be on the make fun of Mike Budenholzer train. And he has made some very questionable decisions like first quarter Jeff Teague and the Nasus Antetokounmpo coming off the bench in the first quarter questionable decisions from the head coach 
But if Chris Middleton's going to play that poorly, shoot that poorly, be that much of just a net negative for the Bucks, there's nothing he can do. There's nothing that Mike Boonholzer can do. Right. Obviously, obviously, Mike Boonholzer is going to catch some flack, but it is on the Bucks players to like perform as well. Chris Middleton has struggled like they're just not playing at that same level that they played against the Miami heat, or if they are, then they need to step it up because obviously Brooklyn's a hell of a lot better with or without James Harden than the Miami heat. And to be honest, Milwaukee had their chance. Milwaukee had two games without James Harden to go get the job done. And they lost both times. You know, I don't know what James Harden's availability is moving forward. He might come back for game three, but if, if he's out again, like, this is where the Bucks have to try to win it and make it a series. And, it, you know, if they can't do that, and I really thought it was going to be different this year. I thought adding Drew Holiday was huge for them. He is a really good player, but they just – they don't have enough depth. And obviously losing Dante DiVincenzo hurts, but that can't be the reason. A role player can't be the reason that, that your team isn't isn't good enough to – to make it out of the second round of the playoffs. So they got to switch it up and, and get better fast. If, if Unless they are you know, ready. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say they lost to Brooklyn. Yes, they did lose to Brooklyn. Uh, they lost by 40. Okay. 39 points. It doesn't matter. They lost by 40. And if you lose by 39 in the playoffs, you lost by 40. It, it, we are rounding up at that point. You are not getting the benefit of that. They lost by 40 to the Nets without James Harden. Yeah, that's like I mean, not losing. That's just like essentially not playing. I mean, Chris Middleton may as well have not played. I mean, I watched – there's a sequence in game one that was just kind of sums up his whole night. And he gets into the post, or rather he gets to the elbow, for some reason decides to – stick with the pull-up jumper, loses it midway up, but he kind of regains it enough, puts it back up, obviously does not go in. Immediately comes down the court, guards Kyrie Irving, gets eviscerated by Kyrie, just blows right by him and scores in, in, in a matter of about like 14 seconds. And you're thinking, holy crap. And Giannis being, what, like two for 10 from the line? Yeah. It just, they, just they've got a lot of themselves in the foot. Yeah. Just that that game three is the biggest game for Mike Budenholzer. Maybe that he's ever coached before. Because those fun, spunky Hawks teams were good. But, I mean, once they ran into the buzzsaw of LeBron, it was over. They were cooked. They were immediately just capsized. And uh, – that's happening again. You run into two superstars and maybe this is something we overlooked when we're putting out predictions is that when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, maybe the rest really doesn't matter. They have a rejuvenated Blake Griffin that, you know, maybe we should touch on this as, as, as a way to end the pod. Cause this has been going around NBA should, Twitter for a while. Should we save it for next week? Sure. An idea. Because sure. I can get into that for more than a couple of minutes, <laughs> uh, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. 
I'd say let's save it for next week. Maybe we, we get into the series a little bit more. Maybe a few more things happen. I just don't want to use all potential topics when it's going to be slow for like another week or two up until the lottery. And that was like a, that's like a topic we could talk about for the whole podcast because there's yeah, a we'll have a summer league pod after that. And then uh, we'll just, we'll just keep you going. We'll just like <laughs> light. It'll be like winding up a toy in the back and we'll just let you go for like, <laughs> you know, like 50 to 80 minutes and all of a sudden the pod will be done. Just a solo, like, just come on, introduce well, me. I'm, I'm not going to talk. Talk for 80 minutes, and then you can send us out. Yeah, I, I will uh, mute you midway through to do the ad read, and then we'll call it a day. And uh, we'll just have, because that is, hmm, that's a conversation that it's fun to dunk on bad teams and fan bases of bad teams, but we can do better, NBA Twitter. We, I promise you, we can do better. We don't need to make fun of the Pistons fans for maybe potentially being mad that Blake Griffin dived for a loose ball. We don't care, but now I'm going to get my soapbox. God bless it. Okay. Aaron, anything else from the playoffs before we send off on that huge, huge, massive cliffhanger. I think our first true cliffhanger of, of our time potting together should we just like end this one and record the next podcast now yeah we might might have to the powder keg is like filled to the brim it just needs a little match to be blown to smithereens maybe something will happen maybe blake will have a a mortal game comparatively to what we're used to and this all will matter it's gonna be really bad if he like dunks four times and catches three alley-oops from kyrie irving then then we're going to need another 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, no, I'm all good on the playoff talk. Uh, we got into, to, like, I think every series. So we're, we're good there. Okay. Sounds good. We are going to go watch some playoff basketball. The Hawks have cut it to 10 um, down and down, up in Philadelphia. Um, so we are going to go watch some playoff basketball. Um, Pals of Pistons podcast, thank you very much. For joining us, we will be back next week, hopefully with some more Pistons talk, hopefully uh, not filled to the brim with spite and anger in Blake Griffin. But you know what? You're just going to have to find out next time. Um, and next time, we're going to have some more Pistons talk, I promise. Uh, so for Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Angelano. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.